Welcome to the Talking the Line podcast, presented to you by Talking the Line Sports Media, giving you our best insights and analysis so you can rake in some cold hard cash on your next sports bet. Now sit on back, open up your mind, and let's cash some tickets. We can't thank you enough for joining us. We hope you enjoy. afternoon good evening ladies and gentlemen degenerates gamblers jacksonville jaguars fans fans of the nfl shield everybody in between far and wide welcome in to episode number 104 of the talking the line podcast and as always thank you so much for taking a few moments out of your day to come and kick it with the crew on this beautiful August 17th, 2021. Now, before we talk everything Duval and beyond, please take a few moments to smash that subscribe button on whatever platform you are currently ingesting the TTL pod on. If you weren't awake, you are now. And if you're watching on YouTube, you might as well hit that notification bell as well so you never miss the start of a live show or any additional TTL content dropping. If you actually also have a few extra seconds, you could find it in your heart to be so kind. Hit that like button, leave us a comment, leave us a rating, jump in the live chat if you are watching live. We can't tell you how much we appreciate it when you do, and it only helps us make TTL Sports Media bigger and better for each and every one of you. Last but certainly not least, head on over to this episode's description while you got an extra second as well. Check out the Talking the Line link tree. Within that link tree, you will locate all of the TTL crew's social content, additional platforms, and the TalkingTheLine.com website so you can consume all of that however and whenever you please. Ladies and gentlemen, beautiful gambling people, NFL fans, Duval fans, everybody joining us on today's show. I am your humble host, Colton, Colt45 Soroka, and it is my pleasure to get things started today. And once again, thank you so much for choosing to stop by the Talking the Line podcast and hang out with me and my partner for just about an hour and a half out of your day today. Without further ado, let me bring in that aforementioned partner, a young man who is thrilled by his White Sox 5-2 victory last night over the Oakland Athletics. Coming in again today, Chris Bassett facing Reynaldo Lopez. He's a little bit more tentative on Reynaldo, but he thinks they get the job done once again tonight in guaranteed rate. And, you know, just keeps piling on the win so he can have a great mentality, segueing him into the MLB postseason and into his Packers season. Without further ado, the man, the myth, the degenerate gambling legend himself, Mr. Riley, R. Mags Magnuson. Partner, how you doing over there today, pal? 
My man, I am doing pretty damn fantastic. We've got an exciting team coming our way today. A team that I am excited about. A team that I feel like whenever this fan base has a little bit of hope, it injects a little bit of energy within the rest of the league. And I think we've got that this year and, uh, you know, the next decade or so. So I'm excited to talk about this team and where they might go this year and beyond. But, uh, you know... Still a lot of question marks. Duval. Duval. Hey, you might as well uh, get locked in. I'm going to do that about 30 times on today's show because it is the only time that I will be freely able to do it and nobody can say shit sure. about it. Uh, yeah, I'm excited to talk about these Jags here today too. Obviously, Trevor Lawrence, number one overall pick coming in. They have a great backfield. Obviously, picked up Travis Etienne too. We'll mm -hmm. talk about all of that. We'll talk about some of the additions and losses in the wide receiver room. We'll talk everything offensive for the Jags. We'll talk everything defensively for the Jags too. We'll dive into the coaching staff, brand new coaching staff all across the board. Got plenty to analyze on that front. Then we'll dive into the full schedule. We'll talk about uh, some of their games that we think they have a shot of winning. Some of the games are going to be a little bit difficult and obviously we'll give you our full season projection where we see them landing within their division and without their division. We will also dive into the full betting season preview for these Jags. I do believe that finally, after a few brutal years, the Jags are going to have some betting value this year, not only on their spreads, but on their weekly uh, game totals, and also maybe some early look-ahead future plays you might want to hammer in now. So make sure you stick around for the third segment. We will be breaking down everything betting-wise for Duval. Duval! And then the fourth and final segment of the day, our best fantasy advice starts stash or pass you know the drill actually some solid fantasy value coming out of jacksonville this year so i got plenty to talk about there and i know my partner does too outside of that before we uh get into the team of the day and get things rocking and rolling down the road partner any uh major updates major news anything you uh got off the top of the dome well, if you're tuning in live, you probably already saw it, but uh, sticking with this team, Mr. Tim Tebow is uh, on the release. Uh, He's out of it. Chopping block. We'll see. Uh, you know, maybe they bring him back in for a little consultation, consultation, uh, you know, a little bit of help in the locker room. Who knows? But uh, he is out of town. He is out of town. If you guys have been watching The Daily Show, you know I was super high on T.E. Bo, but uh, he's got, he's out of there. No questions about it. hate to say I told you so, partner. Yeah, but, uh... you did tell me so. <laughs> I just had a lot of faith in the young man, or the old man now, and uh, I actually didn't get it done. I was, uh, before we saw some of the clips yeah. from the other day, after that I was certain that he was gone. I actually had some optimism that maybe they might find some type of gadget use for him, aside from the strict tight end, but uh, yeah, definitely did not look good in that preseason game well when he got a ball taken a perfectly thrown <laughs> pass on a perfect curl route and he got that ball intercepted by his own teammate yeah um that kind of just put the bow yeah, on top yeah. of it all for me and hey t's and p's to tim tebow hopefully uh you can slot in somewhere would love to see you uh in the league but it's definitely not going to be in jack the world needs tebow. the world does need a good tim tebow so without further ado let's get into that aforementioned team there's all the updates everything we got Let's get into it. Today's team of the day, the Jacksonville Jaguars. You know the drill. First segment of the day coming up live in prime time. We're going to get into the entire team, both offensively, defensively, and the coaching staff in today's full team breakdown. Well, as always, folks, strap on in. Get your coffee ready. Cheers to you as well if you are out there. Cheers to you also, partner. Uh, cheers to a good show. 
Let's fucking do it. Let's get rocking and rolling. Offensive side of the ball, as always, kicking it off. Hear me with the key losses offensively for Duval going into 2021. They let uh, one QB go, Mike Glennon. Obviously, nothing crazy to write home about, so now it looks like they're going to depend on Lawrence and Gardner Minshew, but maybe even not Minshew. We'll see what happens there. Right. Let a handful of running backs go, but my partner will tell you they backfilled that position pretty well. But, uh, you know, I'm not too high on that because I'm high on our man James Robinson. Roll birds. I was hoping he would get some good work here this year, but seems he might compete for touches. But they let go Rykel Armstead, Chris Thompson, and Didi Westbrook. Rykel Armstead was supposed to be um james robinson right he just got hurt early before the year right james robinson slotted in and he became the legend he is yep. now top 100 player in the nfl james did he I, get that nod I didn't he see did that. get that oh, nod so hey awesome that. to james robinson uh always love to see a bird uh bird supporting birds baby back to birds all the way roll birds keep it moving wide receivers let two go not the most important ones you need to or actually uh three go i apologize dd westbrook is a wide receiver not a running back i wrote that wrong uh they let go chris conley and keelan cole mm-hmm. as well not the biggest names to write home about but definitely some solid depth pieces in that offense right. but i think they were able to fill that all right as well and then they let uh three tight ends go tyler eifert he's really just battled so many injuries over the last few years i think his career is kind of getting close to uh the end or maybe that third string tight end segregation right uh eric saubert tight end as well and then josh oliver and then one offensive tackle joe giles harris so 10 guys in general most of them skill position players but as you will soon lay down here partner they were able to uh, backfill a lot of those uh, skill positions that they did let go so if you could be so kind let us know about those players i keep hitting at Alrighty, so not some, uh, not any additions you need to be scoffing at here. A couple guys that should be helping this team right away. Not going to be taking this team over the top by any means, but, uh, you know, decent additions nonetheless. They did bring in Marvin Jones, wide receiver from Detroit. Keeps him with his old offensive coordinator that we'll talk about in a little bit, Daryl Bevel. Uh, he is going to be getting some touches in this offense, no question. Chris Van Hertz, uh, going to be either the second tight end or the third one, probably going to be number two tight end. And then Carlos Hyde, as my partner mentioned, is going to be coming in. Not sure what his role is going to be because in addition to him, uh, they also picked up Travis Etienne in the first round, later in the first round. Obviously, first overall pick, Trevor Lawrence, at quarterback. And then in the second round, they actually took a guy that, uh, you know, might not be the starter this year, but seems like he's in their plans for the next decade or so. Walker Little, offensive tackle out of Stanford. And then they took a handful of defensive guys after that second round and then next Offensive player off the board was not until the fifth round. Tight end Luke Farrell out of Ohio State, probably going to be that number three tight end. And then Jalen Camp, wide receiver in the sixth round. Unclear if he's going to make the roster. There's a lot of guys vying for those fourth and fifth wide receiver spots, so I think he's got a good shot. But uh, still pretty unclear. But that about does it for the offensive side of the ball, my friend. Show enough. Now, before we give you our predictions uh, offensive-wise, kind of overall outlook here into 2021, let me lay down a few 2020 stats you guys should know about. Now, don't read too much into these. Obviously, we have a brand-new coaching staff. There's going to be a lot of changes in Duval. (laughs) Either way, 
uh, still a lot of uh, opportunity for improvement upon these numbers. They averaged 5.2 yards per play offensively last year, them being the Jags. Uh, rushed the ball 33.80% of the time. Actually really low with uh, the story and the script that uh, came behind James Robinson mm-hmm. and then some of the other backs in that backfield. Passed on 66.20% of plays. Had a completion percentage across the board. You know, they kind of had that QB carousel. Jake Luton, uh, Mike Lennon, and then also Minshew as well. Uh, 62.82% across the board. On third downs, they converted at a 40.58% clip. So definitely need to see some improvement there. I think Urban will be able to do that with this spread offense. Mm -hmm. But a little bit of uh, something I'll talk about there in a minute too. Uh, In the red zone, not bad. Better than 50%. They were at 60 uh, in exact 60.00% clip in the red zone. So like them to stay right around there, maybe even improve upon that a little bit. Obviously, um, with James Robinson, his ability in the goal line, now you add uh, Travis Etienne, and then Carlos Hyde has always been proven around the goal line uh, throughout the course of his career. So three guys who I think are going to be plenty valuable within the red zone, and we'll talk about their fantasy value as well because uh, that that goal line work is going to loom large yeah, for all of these 100%. guys. Um, now, as far as the offense goes here, um, this is the highest paid uh, offensive line in the NFL. However exact offensive line returning from 2020 Mm -hmm. and in 2020 they ranked 19th against the pass and ranked 25th against the rush so i'll let you be the judge if it's uh the right move for the jags or not there but they're bringing back taylor can linder robinson and norwell all coming up looks like trevor lawrence is going to be qb1 obviously urban meyer flirting around with oh maybe Minshew will be the starter i don't know i doubt that happens uh hopefully Minshew can get a a good starting spot somewhere because he he deserves it he Mm -hmm. really really deserves it um then you have the running back room talked about him james robinson backed up by travis Etienne, and then also carlos hyde Looks like potentially Travis Etienne could turn into a steady receiving back or maybe even turn into a running receiver, if you will. A combination of kind of the both. I think he's going to get a lot of that work in this spread offense from Urban Meyer. Then you have another bird, hashtag roll birds, James O'Shaughnessy. Looks like he's going to get the uh, tight end start. Great for him. That dude is electrifying football player even electrifying human being Mm -hmm. he is a great great human being haven't seen him in a lot of years but that dude is a good good dude and then uh their wide receiver room solid as well uh you talked about him marvin jones rejoining daryl bevel from their years together in detroit lavisca chenault one of the guys i'm actually really really high on i had him on my fantasy team all last year i think we see some improvement uh from him this year and then dj chart coming back had a huge 2019 and then kind of a lackluster 2020 battle a little bit of injury battle some stuff hopefully he can come back and be a solid number one option for Lawrence but in my mind this receiving core really does lack a number one option because outside of that right now it looks like they'll have Philip Dorsett backing those guys up and then also behind him Colin Johnson those are the, the top guys on the depth star right now obviously it can change a lot but you would first see and we'll talk about this later Obviously, everybody's thinking that Trevor Lawrence is going to come in, be electrifying offensive rookie of the year candidate right off the bat. And I wouldn't disagree with you. He's great. He's an awesome quarterback. We saw it in Clemson. I mean, no question about it. But I don't know if this receiving core is going to give him enough to be able to consistently 300 plus, 325 plus every single game in order to put him in the running. And we all know 
NFL Honors Awards are based off of numbers. Mm -hmm. So I think that's one of the biggest things. That is the biggest question mark in my mind. Are these receivers going to be able to produce? However, I don't think the running game has any issues. The running game, all three guys, I think, will produce. The problem is, is that now James Robinson, we don't know what we're going to see from him. He obviously will be the workhorse, will get the bulk of the workload, but how much really is he going to get hawked from ETN? Mm -hmm. Is ETN going to take all of his passing abilities? Is that going to take away his PPR workload? We'll obviously talk about all of that in fantasy, but there's a lot of question marks as far as who is going to get the work from week to week. Um, That's my opinion as far as offensively. um, And then the offensive line, I didn't mention them. Uh, I think it's a little bit risky them being the number one paid offensive line coming in at $53.40 million cap hit uh, for the uh, Jaguars here. So I don't know. Uh, That's my opinion, partner. I'll put a cap on it for now. What do you think offensively here for the the Jags going into 2021? Yeah, to start with that offensive line, man, it is so bizarre that they are the number one one highest paid uh, offensive line unit here. It does give me optimism that it's the full squad coming back. And now I hope that they have a little bit of rejuvenation that, uh, you know, they're not on a one win football team and they're, you know, having to protect for guys like Mike Glennon and Luton. (laughs) So that gives me optimism that they're going to be a little bit more energized this year. I like the pickup that they made in the second round uh, offensive tackle. I already blanked on his name. Um, uh, Excuse me, Walker Little. I like that addition. Don't know what we're going to see from him this year. I'm actually pretty high in this wide receiver room too, man. I think DJ Chark gets back to it. I mean, you have to think like some of these guys have had some brutal, brutal quarterbacks trying to throw them the ball the last couple of years. And, you know, with some steadiness, not Marvin Jones, aside from Marvin Jones, I'm talking more so Uh, DJ Chark. Okay. Staying within. Yeah. 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 Sorry. Sorry. Okay. Okay. Uh, and I think Marvin Jones, you know, I don't love him. You know, he's not a guy that week to week is going to be putting up, every, you know, consistent numbers, but he'll be a boomer bust guy. Uh, so those weeks where he has, you know, big weeks and comes to comes to the stadium ready to roll, I like that. But I think DJ Chark uh, has a big bounce back this year health-wise and with an actual steady quarterback. And I like mm-hmm. LaVisca Chenault. Yep. He came on at the end of the season. You know, he was in there, I believe, 15 games at least, if not all 16. And the end of the season, he really kind of broke out. Uh, and once again, with a consistent guy throwing him the ball, I really like what I'm going to see there. And like you, I think uh, I think ETN's going to be used as kind of a jackknife. He's going to get the ball out of the backfield a lot, but I think they're also just going to find ways to get him the ball in space. He is a big play waiting to happen, and I think Urban Meyer is going to figure out how to use him the right way. Tight end room, you know, you know, being a, a fellow Bird ISU alum, I love James O'Shaughnessy. Um, as far as you know, the passing game, I. You know, it leaves a little bit to be desired, so I'm not sure what we see from them. But overall, man, I love the running back room, and I'm a little higher on this receiving core than a lot of people are. If anything happens to these top three guys, I do not like that. <laughs> They're depth. fooked. Yeah, They're the depth fooked. is not there for sure. So really, the concern for me is, do we see an offensive line that comes anywhere near living? I don't need them to be the number one actual best offensive line, but you know, you have to at least be middle of the pack consistently, if not higher. I mean, if you're the number one offensive line, you should be, or paid the number one offensive line, you should be in that top 10 at least. But it's clear that we probably won't see that. So, you know, compared to what we saw last year, I at least need to be top half. So if that's not the case, then they might have some struggles. But, I, you know, I'm op- I'm optimistic here. All right. Optimistic on the receiver room. Uh-huh. So we're a little bit differing uh, little bit. as far as the receiver room goes. But kind of across the board offensively, me and Mags both have the same outlook and are really excited in general to see what the Jacks do offensively. Uh, let's put a cap on the offense uh, with some key rankings, courtesy of the guys over at SFA. And then we'll rock and roll on over to the defensive side of the ball quarterback room might be a little 
surprising to you. Comes in ranked as the 19th unit in the NFL right now. You think, oh my gosh, Trevor Lawrence, number one overall pick. That should be top five. Yeah, rookie quarterbacks still got to prove themselves. Sure. And this is still an unproven offense. This is still a brand new coaching staff. This is still the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm sorry, Jack. Zach. I'm sorry. All right. I'm sorry. However, offensive line, highest paid unit in the league. Yeah. We keep saying it. Comes in ranked as the 23rd unit in the league. Very far cry from their payroll. Right. I think that they can improve upon that, but there's obviously a lot of question marks from what we saw last year, both pass and rush-wise. Mm -hmm. Running back room comes in uh, right in the middle of the pack, a little bit better than middle of the pack, 14th overall. Uh, definitely have opportunity to crack the top 10 if Robinson produces again and if ETN can produce in more of a limited work share. Obviously, he saw 1,500 yards, 13-plus uh, touchdowns right. in, in three of his last seasons, I do believe, at Clemson. So it's going to be a little bit of an adjustment sure. for him here in the NFL. And then receivers, the guys over at SFA are on my side, uh, not no necessarily so much on yours. 26th fair. ranked unit yeah, in the league. Um, it's definitely a fair ranking um, with kind of the question marks coming in. DJ Chark, who knows what he's going to have in 2021. And then just these guys without, without really having a clear cut number one receiver that mm -hmm. you can say, yeah, that guy's going to have at least 70 to 100 every single week. It's just hard to really put a good yeah. good ranking on them. I think that they can crack the top 15. Yeah, yeah. I think they could. But right now, I, I'm I'm about right in sure. that ballpark. Yeah, I can't disrespect that ranking whatsoever. I would definitely say so. I am just more optimistic that at least either Chanel or Chark is going to break out and be uh, maybe not a clear-cut number one receiver, but good enough to get that, you know, at least that ranking closer to the middle of the pack. Show enough. Well, let's move on over to the defensive side of the ball. And as always, we'll kick it off with key losses and additions. Partner, if you'd be so kind, get it started with the key losses on the defensive side of the ball Alrighty, i really don't have too much to write home here there's a lot of guys that played either you know two three games or didn't really play at all so i'm not even going to mention those guys they don't really bear mentioning four guys that they did lose that had played a role last year joe showbert played 16 games he was traded this offseason for a sixth round pick aaron lynch off the edge he played eight games last year was not a huge impact guy last year dj hayden Quarterback played five games for them. Once again, not a huge impact guy. And Doug Middleton, safety, played 10 games. So aside from that, a lot of uh, you know, a lot of guys that saw time here and there, but nobody that really made any huge impact. Joe Sherp Showbert is really the only guy that uh, you know was a key player on this de defense from last year. So you know, I believe they backfilled some uh, some of these spots and did more than that. Uh, as what you're about to say. Sorry, yeah. I'm fucking fumbling over here. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Schobert was uh, kind of the main loss. With yeah. Just really anything, uh, at, to put it in your words, the only guy that really you needed to write home about yeah. as far as the defensive loss here. I know we're talking about NFL, but I uh, wanted to mention this real quick before I get into the defensive additions. The Grizzlies just picked up Pat Bev, thinking, okay, hey, coming on over from the Clips, what's he going to do? They've already shipped him out of town mm -hmm. to the Timberwolves for Jarrett Culliver and... Juancho Hernan Gomez. So obviously the Grizzlies don't want Pat Bev either. Not. And they say, see you later, head on over to Minnesota. I know that has nothing to do with yeah, the price of corn. You but know, I like that type of stuff. That was all awfully interesting that uh, Pat Bev just got dealt and is now in another trade yeah. not even a week later. Yeah. So there you go. All right, into the defensive additions here for the Jags. You're right, partner. They did backfill a lot of those positions, and some of the guys that might have remained on the team 
they kind of got lapped by some of the sure. guys that got brought in either via free agency, the trade market, or through the draft. Mm-hmm. The biggest addition in my mind is going to be Shaquille Griffin uh, coming in from Seattle. Obviously, we know the story between him and his brother, Shaquem. Uh, defensive back, if you didn't know, coming in at $13.3 million, uh, this year out of free agency. Rayshon Jenkins, they brought in a uh, one-year deal, safety, $8.8 million. Roy Robertson-Harris, interior defensive line. Uh, we'll talk about him in just a minute here. $7.7 million deal. Uh, Malcolm Brown, also interior defensive lineman. They picked him up via a trade. Jamal Agnew, another defensive back at $4.79 million. Jihad Ward, another interior guy on the defensive line, $2.5 million. And then Rudy Ford, uh, looks like they're going to try and add some serious depth to this safety room. Uh, brought him in at $2.1 million. They didn't go crazy over the top defensively uh, in the draft. It was pretty balanced. I don't know how fast of an impact these guys make uh, uh, here as well, much like my partner said for the offensive additions. Uh, They brought in Tyus Campbell, defensive back out of Georgia. Uh, He was solid at Georgia, so I think he could make an impact. I just don't know how soon that will be. Andrew Sisko, another safety out of Syracuse. So obviously uh, that was a little bit of an issue for the Jags last year in the deep backfield. So they're wanting to get some good depth there. Uh, Jay Tufele, defensive tackle out of USC. And then Jordan Smith. I was a big fan of UAB football last year. Jordan Smith was a game wrecker, defensive end. I think that's a big pickup for them. And I think that they can work him. And uh, Joe Cullen being uh, new here, defensive coordinator. I think Mm -hmm. that uh, he'll have some success with some of these rookie guys coming in on the defensive side of the ball so that does it for the key additions um overall and when you look at the draft here for the Jags, I wouldn't say it's a lost draft by any means. Obviously, you can't say that with uh, QB1 and then Travis Etienne. Right. Now, some of the picks are a little bit questionable. Um, that is one thing I would say. I don't know if they got the needs necessarily that they really needed to. Maybe they could have got a number one receiver. Maybe they could have made that right. move. They didn't necessarily need ETN, but... Either yeah. way, not the worst outlook overall. Before we uh, give you our full defensive outlooks here going into uh, 2021, let me once again give you those 2020 stats. The Jags, ye, not so great. Allowed opponents to average 6.3 yards per play last year and an opponent completion percentage of 69.42%. So we want to see both of those numbers come way down, but I think they do have the defense to be able to do that. Opponents converted on third down at 43.43% of the time and then in the red zone. Need this to come way down. Opponents scored at 63.49% of the time. I'd like to see it right around 55, 50% if you can get that. Obviously, with the PA, play action, PSM, pre-snap motion, everything that happens in today's NFL offenses, it's extremely hard to stop a team once they get 20 yards and in, especially 10 yards and in for crying out loud. So obviously, it's going to be hard to get right around 50, but I think that they improve upon that this year. Uh, they have Allen, Brown, Robertson, Harris, and Chison uh, all on the defensive line. Schobert's out of town, but they did replace him. Uh, remind me off the, the top of my head. Uh, they didn't get him in anything in the trade. It looks like Damian Wilson might be That's the starter. Right. So they didn't get Jack. anything yeah. in the trade. But then obviously Miles Jack. Miles Jack is a dog and a still half. A I think that he's he... been in the league five, six years. He's yeah. still only 25 years old. Yeah, he's a dog and a half. He's only starting to reach his prime right now. Uh, Shaquille Griffin on the outside. Trey Herndon. Uh, no something Herndon. Trey Herndon's the tight end. I, I want to make sure I say that right. 
Uh, Herndon is. One second, ladies and gentlemen. You just hold yourself. That is Trey Herndon. That is Trey Herndon. It is Trey Herndon. All right, so we have two Trey Herndons in the league. One is was a former tight end for the Jets. Not sure if he's still there or not. Huh. Might still be. But now we also have a Trey Herndon defensive back for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And then also Henderson opposite side of those two guys. Then you got Jenkins and Wilson in the deep backfield. Left a little bit to be desired in 2020, so they obviously brought in a shitload of deep backfield guys uh, via the free agency market and also via the, the draft. So overall, in my mind, I think that this front seven is going to be pretty solid. Um, the defensive line might struggle a little bit generating pressure, but I think that with having Miles Jack and then whoever's next to him, they'll be able to bring five guys maybe even six guys from mm -hmm. time to time, and they'll able to be able to have some success. Um, as far as the secondary goes, I'm middle of the pack on them. Yeah. I wouldn't say they're going to have a crazy season, but they have definite potential to crack top 15, top 12 unit in my mind if they play to their full potential. But that's also going to boil down to the deep secondary and if those guys are going to be able to limit some of those rip-the-top-off-the-defense-type plays. Overall, in my mind, I, I think that this this unit may be 20th ranked unit in the league, somewhere right around that, definitely. And, and that's that's very, very tentative. I mean, I, I obviously think that they have plenty of capabilities to improve upon that, but I, I would say they're right around 20 to 25th ranked unit in my mind right now yeah. in the league. Okay. I'm pretty optimistic about this team. I'm not saying they're going to be top five, top 10 defense. I'm kind of right around where you are, but I like some of these additions. I, you know, we talked about Miles Jack. He is an absolute dog. He might not even have played his best year yet. This year dog. could be his best season. He's 25, 26 years old. They get Josh Allen back. He missed half the year last year. This is his True. third season. He was un not totally healthy even when he was there. He had double-digit sacks in his rookie year. I think he could have a huge year and help. Like you said, there's a lot of, uh, you know, pressure there's a lot to be desired, be desired, but I think he might be the one that uh, takes them over the edge. And if you know if he struggles or if he gets injured, then there definitely is going to be a lack of pressure. But I think he's going to be really good once again here. And you know the secondary is a little bit of a concern for me, but I like the moves that they made. I'm not saying they're you know pro bowlers, all pro guys, but who they replaced uh, being some very questionable you know assets as far as their positions I think you know it's not just a small upgrade I think compared to what they had it is actually a decent size upgrade there so I'm pretty optimistic about it I'm kind of middle of the pack defense uh, I think it, there's going to have be some games where they kind of surprise people and have a really solid defensive game. They honestly did that a couple times last year, and maybe it was just because it was a uh, you know a game in Lambo against my Packers. But you know the defense last year was worse last year, and they gave us some fits all game long, and the Packers pulled the rabbit out of their hat. If I'm being totally honest, so, so I maybe all of this bias is because of an uh, all well, they had some other Packer mm, game. They had some other games that they were solid defensively, or at least better than you would expect, keeping some teams with good offenses under 30 points which isn't saying much but now with all these additions i think they could be uh you know a decent defense and keep this team in a lot of games so still a lot of holes but i think they really did improve this defense quite a bit here yeah they definitely did um but i yeah, i'm still gonna stick with right around i'm, I'm nervous right how much i'm liking this whole roster if I'm yeah being totally honest, that's, man. that's the thing i mean it's still the jazz <laughs> at the end of the day and i mean it, it's so hard for fans of duval to uh, you know, get excited about things from time to time, and they have some exciting stuff on the horizon going into uh, 2021. But 
nonetheless, let's put a cap on the defensive side of the ball with the positional rankings. Front seven, the guys over at SFA, not high on them at all. Mm. 31st ranked unit in the league. I unfortunately would have to agree with them. Uh, I think they can generate pressure from time to time, but I just don't think that they're going to be able to generate the pressure on the level that they need to to be able to make some of those key turnovers, key stops, key sacks, stuff like that. And then this secondary 26th ranked unit in the league, uh, obviously both units have plenty of room to improve upon those Mm -hmm. numbers, but just without any known cohesion, any real known how these guys are going to perform, some of them coming from complete different weather atmospheres, all types of different stuff. So I think those are fair rankings, definitely plenty of room to improve upon them, uh, but we'll see what happens across the board. Yeah, I can't hate on the rankings. I do think they will finish higher than that. Like I said, I'm not saying top 10 defense, but uh, I've got some optimism over here. Top 20 sounds like a good spot for me. Let's move in to the coaching staff and wrap up everything here. Team breakdown. Brand new coaching staff all across the board. Head coach, OC and DC. Uh, You've heard us talk about all of them now at this point, but just in case you missed it at all, new head coach Urban Meyer making the jump from college officially. Uh, Going to be very interesting what we see from him because Urban has always been known as the coach as it's my way or the highway Mm -hmm. and really doesn't fit his offense to his players. Uh, He likes to just make his players fit into his offense. So we'll see. Also, if that spread has the capabilities in the NFL that it do, that it did at the collegiate level, but we started to kind of just even see it phase out at the collegiate level, how he was running it with some of the kind of brutal beats that his team yeah. took at the end of his tenure. So there's a lot of question marks in my mind. I think he has a successful jump. I mean, the last five college coaches that we've seen made the jump have been not crazy but have been better than mediocre so Mm -hmm. i think he has a good opportunity and it looks like he's going to get at least three four years here if year one is going to be bad (laughs) yeah you and i were talking about that jaguars even when it's bad they don't fire coaches right away exactly so he has plenty of time here and then offensive coordinator daryl bevel i think he'll have plenty of time too i think they'll at least give him two years especially with this brand new offense and your shiny new toy trevor lawrence um I don't know, and something that uh, Warren Sharp uh, indicated quite heavily is that uh, the Lions, year over year, have been a great first quarter team, Mm -hmm. a great first quarter team to bet on. And then from the second through the fourth quarter, rest of the game, they're a great team to bet against. So is that going to carry over to Jacksonville? Obviously, we didn't see the most high-powered offense in Detroit over the course of the last three years, so is Bevel going to be able to really utilize these guys, these premier names like he needs to, or is it going to kind of be like that Lions offense? It kind of sputters from time to time. I don't know. We'll see exactly what happens there. And then last but not least, uh, defensive coordinator Joe Cullen, brand new as well. Like I said, uh, he's been uh, solid in the past with rookies developing players. I think he'll be able to develop a lot of these guys and really get some cohesion going. And it might lean into your side uh, of this defense really gets improving and maybe cracks that top 20, uh, maybe even cracks the top 15. That would be pretty sweet to see for the Jags. That all being said, that's the entire new coaching staff. Obviously, now we're going to break down all the assistants and everything like that. So if you were expecting that, sorry, Shots. hate to tell you, not coming today. But that does it. Full team breakdown coaching staff. Let's get into the entire schedule breakdown. 
As always, my friend, I'll kick things off uh, here, breaking down, well, not necessarily breaking down, just uh, telling you guys about the weekly matchups. Uh, first things first, they do have their bye week in week seven. Uh, have a relatively easy start to the season. Uh, they play the Texans in Houston in week one. Then they come back for two home stints against the Broncos and the Cardinals. Then they go back on the road to the Bengals. Week five and six before the bye, they play the Titans and the Dolphins at home. Dolphins in London. In London. I apologize. So it is not a home game. I uh, forgot to read the little order uh-huh. at London or right <laughs> below there. I uh, got to check the old notes. And then come out of the bye in week seven with a plus eight rest advantage in Seattle against the Seahawks. Then week nine, they come back home to play the Bills, then go back on the road to Lucas Oil Stadium to play the Colts, then back home to play the 49ers. That, in my mind, weeks eight to 11 is the hardest streak that the Jags are going to see. Actually, weeks eight through 14. 12 won't be bad. They play the Falcons in Duval. But then... 13 and 14 are both on the road against the Rams and the Titans. So week 8 through 14 is going to be real difficult in my mind for them. They're going to have to prove a lot then and there. But they get to week 15 and 16 and they get the Texans again and then they get the Jets. So not too bad. But then they close out their season on the road in New England and then they come back home to close out their season against the Colts. So not too bad to start the season. No. In my mind, they have a very, 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 very solid shot to go 4-2 and two in those first six games. Very solid shot. Yeah. I think they could potentially get the – and we'll talk about predictions here in a minute, but I think they get the Texans, the Bengals, either or between the um, Cardinals or the Broncos, and they get the Titans in that – in that first okay. matchup. I'll okay. tell you why here in just a minute. And actually, that's a hell of a segue. Let's talk about their success within the AFC South division. Now, based on their preseason game, even though they got torched out of the water mm-hmm. by the Browns. Sure did. It's a preseason. Yep. Who gives a shit? Yep. They had some serious movement. As far as their odds, they were around plus 1600 and they have now moved down to plus 900, I think 600 plus 600. So they (laughs) moved severely um, with what some of the odds makers saw on the field and from what some of the money fluctuations happened. So we'll talk about all that here in a little while. But as far as the uh, AFC South goes, I think they get both against the Texans. Yep. I'm not worried about that at all. I think they lose both against the Colts, though, however. And then I think they split with the Titans. I do believe they get that first matchup in week five with the Titans because that is in Jacksonville. Correct. And they're coming in, the Jags being, on a three-day rest advantage after playing a Thursday night game and a pretty cupcake Thursday night game in the Bengals, if I do say so myself. So... I see them getting that win um, and then potentially getting the win against the Finns. I mean, the Finns are going to be hard, but it could be uh, very, very interesting. So I say that, and that could be 5-1 and one to start the season. But I like 4-2 and two to start the okay. season. Okay. But in the AFC South, I'm going 3-3. Three and three. Okay. 3-3 three and three AFC South record for the Jags. I can't add too much. I think I'm right there with you that uh, Tennessee one is obviously going to be tough. Giving them two wins against the te- Texans. I think I'm leaning with you and the two losses to the Colts. 
And I'll take I'll take what you're putting down with that home win against the Titans. Not only that, uh, you know, the Titans have had a lot of success the last couple of years. Titans really, really get into their form on the back half of that in their seasons the last couple of seasons when Tannehill has been at the helm. So I think we kind of see something similar there. I'm not saying the Titans struggle out of the gates, but I think that's still a spot where the Jags can get them. So I will stick with you and say three and three, my friend. All right. And actually, first game between these two teams last year, uh, it did end 33 to 30. So right. rather uh, interesting. Right. Um, Titans did win 33 to 30, but the Jags battled back in the fourth quarter right. to make that a 30-30 game. So <laughs> game flip script, in my opinion, this year. All right. Well, uh, we talked about the Colts yesterday, so they're obviously in the same division. They're going to obviously have the same main eight non-divisional opponents coming out of the AFC East and the NFC West. NFC West is going to be extremely yeah. brutal yeah, for is. me. Um, you know, early in the season, uh, I already said it, it's going to come down to the Cardinals or the Broncos for me. From what I saw from the Broncos, now granted, it was preseason game one, but I was already high on their defense, Von Miller coming back, some of the key additions they made, my boy Kyle Fuller going over there, my man Patrick Sertain. I was already high on them, and then they balled out like they did against the Vikings, and I said, oh, shit. So of those two games, I give them the Jags more of a shot against the Cardinals. Okay. So I would say they go 1-3 with a very, very, very tight game against the 49ers. I think that's their tightest game. 1-3 in the NFC West, and then the AFC East, I will give them... Oh man, because that Dolphins game. That Dolphins game is also so I would either is, yeah. I would either go two and two or one and three. Um that Dolphins game is gonna loom very large in London. I don't know uh while you're kind of giving your predictions, I can look up the Jags London record here too. I was looking it up earlier actually. I don't know if you can still look it up because it wasn't super clear. It's close to five hundred, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. But uh, you know, I as far as the NFC West I will give them one win, and it's going to be either the Cardinals or the Seahawks. They get that eight-game rest advantage against the Seahawks coming out of the bye week, but it is in Seattle, so I lean towards the Cardinals. Um, but that is going to be a shootout in week three there. So I'll give them one win out of the NFC West one way or another. And then in the NFC East, I will also go with two wins, and I'm definitely giving, giving them the win in uh against the Jets there and then uh, I am on the fence as far as the Dolphins and Patriots but I think I will give them one win in either one of those two games so I'll go two and two and I'm leaning towards the one in London against the Dolphins uh, you know I don't know if the Dolphins have gone over there too much maybe we'll find that out in a second but uh, I like the Jaguars chances in London this year and they get it right ahead of a bye week so I'm feeling pretty good about that one so I'll say two and two out of the AFC East yeah Jags have had seven there they're three and four um, and then Miami have had four there. They're one and three. Okay, last one, 2017. Okay. Last one, 2017 for Miami. And then last one for the Jags was 2019. So Jacksonville comes in the eighth official London game for them, gets a 500 record. Big and fan base over there, the, right? The Finns in their fifth move to one and four. I'm taking that action, actually. Yeah. I'm going to take it. I'm going, I, I'm going two and two. I'm yep. saying they win that London game. All right, let's keep it moving along. Final three games on the schedule that are not the main eight non-divisional or the divisional games. We have the Bengals, the Broncos, and the Falcons. I give them two and one straight up. I don't uh -huh. have to do much thinking about that. I think they're uh, able to take care of business in Cincinnati. I don't think, as much as I hate to say it, I don't think that this is the year we see Joey B break out yet. I don't think he, not to his level. He's going to have a good year. 
but not right. to what we're all expecting. And I think that's going to cause the firing of Zach Taylor. So speak my language over just, here. Uh, that's that's early, <laughs> early uh, hot predictions on a completely opposite team. But I think they get the win against the Bengals. I believe they get the win against the Atlanta Falcons. I don't think Arthur Smith or Dean Pease is going to have enough of success now. If by some random chance Arthur Smith does have a huge amount of success in Atlanta, at plus 1400 for coach of the year, not unworth a look, but we're not talking about the Falcons. I also think they lose to the Broncos. Uh, that, that'll come down to a really defensive game. I think that game ends, ends like 36, 30 last second Broncos, something crazy happens. I, Maybe, maybe not. I don't know, but I think that that's going to be the one game uh, that they don't get early on in the season. Uh, I think that Vic Fangio will have that defense dialed up to confuse the absolute shit out of Trevor Lawrence. So, and you got to remember too, I found it out with Justin Fields. These guys are coming from college to where they never came off the field. They never got in a huddle. They, everybody stands here, and then we all look to the sidelines. Yeah. We get the five, 17 different play calls, right. and then Lawrence comes back. Everybody sees it. All right, ready, set, hot, and that's it. Yeah. Now they have to get play calls in the ear, sure. be able to communicate that to all of their teammates, be able to go to the line of scrimmage, read the defense, make an audible if necessary, target a hot route if necessary, they have to make all of that yeah. shit. When in college, they really didn't have to do that. Mm -hmm. They they had a lot of help on that front. So you got to remember that too. So all that being said, I think they go two and one the remaining. Okay. Three. Yeah, I I guess I'm kind of right in line with you. What? Uh, oh, it's the Bengals. Yeah. So I think they get that one against the Bengals. You spoke my language. I mentioned Zach Taylor as the first coach fired. That might be the straw that breaks the camel's back on that one for say, that one. I would say. And I will also take him on a win over the Falcons. Uh, if this game against the Broncos was later in the year, I might be interested. But kind of half of the reason that you mentioned the Broncos being a really good uh, defense, in our opinions, I will give that one to the Broncos. The one thing that kind of has me hesitating that's seems like a weird uh you know weather type of home field advantage split going from denver to jacksonville going from mile high over to jacksonville and um you know humid mucky type stuff there that still is in september so maybe that is enough but i'll give them two and one so we're we're lined up three and three in the south one and three in the east two and two in the west and then uh, flip that two and two in the afc east one and three oh i'm NFC sorry west. yes yeah. two, two and two in the afc east one and three in the west and then two and one outside so that partner that's seven that's eight and nine. What? Really? That's eight and nine. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Three, three and three, one and three, two and two, two and one. That is eight. Wow. Eight and nine. Wow. Eight and nine. I know my math usually ducks on the show. That, that but was I, me that I, time I, around. I did that one four times in my head. I had to make sure. Oh, wow. I told you eight I was nervous nine. that I liked this roster that much, man. <laughs> so that just opened an entirely new can of worms that we will talk about in the betting preview here in just a second. We're about to get into that segment and uh, rock through that. I was on the under originally. Totals at six and a half. I got some fucking thinking to do over the next uh, few minutes man. here. The problem is I'm going to have to do that thinking as I'm talking to you guys. So let's keep it rolling here. Put a cherry on top of the banana split that has been the full schedule breakdown. Mm, beauty. How about that? Uh, last but certainly not least, a little bit of the rest and prep inequalities for uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars here. Once again, courtesy of the guys over at SFA putting uh, these in nice, perfect little boxes for us so we can uh, utilize them as we need. As always, once again, shout out to Sharp Football Analysis for some of the key stats and trends that we use on the daily show. Obviously, 
we use other stuff. We go to other sites. Sites we have our own knowledge and stuff. But I mean, the wealth of knowledge that we mm-hmm. have gained from uh, reading the SFA preview is just bar none. Yeah. Bar none. Uh, but moving right along, uh, they play three opponents that have over a week to prep, but they also play three opponents that have less than a week to prep. So negated there. Uh, they have three games they play where they're on a rest disadvantage, but they also play three games where they have a rest advantage. So negated there once again. They play one game on a short week on the road, and then they play zero games off a road Sunday night or Monday night football game. Not surprising. Uh, I don't nope. think. Not quite the year that we're going to see the nope. Jags in Sunday night or Monday this night is a, football. This is a Thursday night team if yeah. I've ever seen yeah. one. Yeah, getting very close, getting very close to moving sure. on into some of those prime times, but we'll we'll have to see what happens in 2021. But there you go, uh, just kind of a, an outlook there, something to think about uh, when you're betting on them. They will have some rest advantages that are probably going to play into that Seahawks one. We'll talk about the weekly lines here in a minute. I'm kind of interested in that with a plus eight advantage. Holy shit. I don't know. A lot of stuff to talk about here, so uh, let's just segue right on into it. I can't wait because I think for the first time in a long-ass time, we're going to be able to cash some tickets on the Jacksonville Jaguars. So let's so, get into the full-season betting preview for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Before I do, I ain't had a nice little sip, so cheers to y'all sons of guns once again. Mm. That's good, Joe. Mm-mm-mm. That's a two-sipper. That was such good fucking Joe. Holy cow. All right, back to action. Here we go, live in prime time. All right, betting preview. First things first, let's briefly go back in time to 2020. Okay. The year 2020, if you will. A year that will live in infamy. Yeah. A year sure. that will we will all never forget. <laughs> a year that we might have gained 100 pounds, might have lost 20 pounds, might have recommitted to things, but nonetheless, a year that will live in infamy. As for the Jaguars in 2020, (laughs) some betting trends. Against the spread and over-under, let's start with against the spread. They were underdogs by about 7.8 points last year on their lines. Getting a little bit more respect from the books here in 2021. They're only underdogs by 3.1 points in 2021. Sticking with 2021 for just a second, they are favored in two games, dogs in 14, and a pick in week 12 against Atlanta, but that is in Jacksonville, mm-hmm. so we'll talk about that too. But as far as 2020 goes, the Jags were 6-9 and nine ATS with the 1-15 straight-up record. They were 0-1 uh, ATS as a favorite and 6-8 and eight ATS as an underdog. At home, not great. 3-5 ATS, 0-1 as a favorite, 3-4 as a home pooch. On the road, just about the same. One less loss, 3-4 ATS, 0-0, never a road favorite, 3-4 as a road underdog. So obviously not the greatest uh, to write home, but in my mind... I'm not going to draw any parallels from that. No. Because this is not the same team sure not. Uh, in 2020 that I believe we're going to see in 2021. And I do believe that these fellas are going to have plenty of opportunities to cover some of these numbers. But let's talk about the over-unders uh, from 2020 before we do all of that. They had an average line of 49 in 2020. And it's actually dropped down a little bit, which is surprising. They still do have a few high totals, but there's some low ones peppered in there too. 47.4 average game. Game total in 2021 for the Jags. Really nothing you can draw here. I'm not really certain uh, what 
kind of a team they'll be. I'll give you a little bit of my thoughts here in a minute, but they were eight and eight overall over under four and four at home, four and four on the road, oh and one as a favorite, eight and seven as a dog. So nothing you can really draw there at all. Pretty much coin flip uh, from where it's going to be. As we've talked about with some of the couple previous teams definitely adds into your teasers. If you're doing those 10 point teasers, need an extra leg. Hey, definitely add them bad boys in here. From last year's numbers, don't add the Jags. In six, seven, and ten point teasers, they were nine and seven, nine and seven, and ten and six. This year might have an opportunity. I think that improves. We see some regression, some positive regression to the mean. Yeah. And uh, you know, I think if you can get it through maybe only even three key numbers, two key sure. numbers, maybe. I think you'd be safe yeah. here uh, with the Jags. So that does it. All uh, 2020 trends, ATS over, under, and the teasers, because we all love a good teaser on Sunday mornings during the football season. Let's talk 2021. Whoa. That, ah. Back back from the future. <laughs> here we go. <laughs> all right. Uh, weekly lines and spread. Uh, just like the schedule, I'll break it down for you guys here once again. Uh, weekly lines. They come in favored by three points in Houston against the Texans week one, getting one and a half at home against the Broncos, and then getting two and a half against the Cardinals in week three. So the books are obviously thinking they have a little bit more of a shot to win that Broncos game, whereas I'm thinking they got a little bit more of a shot on the Cardinals. But I do love those plus two and a halfs on an underdog in the NFL season. They're also getting, whoa, back-to-back, three weeks, four, five, and six, getting two and a half points in every single game against the Bengals, the Titans, and the Dolphins. Week seven by week. Then we come out in week eight getting seven points against the Seahawks. I'm hammering that in. That's got to be one of my favorite ones. I make that closer to about three and a half, four. Uh, Buffalo in week nine. That is in Jacksonville. So that's also interesting. Plus six and a half. Didn't get the full touchdown on that one. And then week 10 uh, caught the hook on the touchdown. Plus seven and a half in Indianapolis. Week 11, uh, getting four points at home against the 49ers. So actually, I think that's going to, like I said a little bit ago, I think that's going to be their one tight shootout out of the West. So obviously the books think so too. Week 12, already told you about it, but that is their pick them against the Atlanta Falcons. And then week 13, their hardest one to cover of the year, probably most difficult game of the year against the Los Angeles Rams in LA at SoFi Stadium, getting nine and a half points. Week 14 in Tennessee, getting six points. And then they're finally favored again, once again, against the same team, the Houston Texans in week 15, getting four points um, with then, or giving four points with them. I apologize. Then week 16, they're actually getting points against the Jets. One and a half come in as the puppies against them in week 16. And that game is in New York, I do believe. I want to make sure that is in New York. I couldn't really read it there. It was over the logo. And then week 17 and 18, both underdogs against the Pats and the Colts, uh, five and a half points against the Pats, but after being seven and a half points against the Colts in week 10, now they're only three point dogs in week 18. Now that game is played in Jacksonville and the Colts could potentially have put a bow on the AFC South, but maybe it could be the Titans. Maybe it could be the Jags. Maybe this game means a shitload for the Jacksonville Jaguars. That would be awesome. That would be insanity to have an AFC South shootout closing game for the division. Holy shit. Uh, Before you rock and roll there, partner, um, man, I think there's a shitload of value. I, I love the fact that there's, from week three to week six, 
every one is two and a half points. At number two, that was actually what I was about to mention. Week Broncos two up to plus two to and a week half. six, two and a half. And if I know one damn thing, two and a half dogs cover damn near 90% of the time. Okay. 90% okay. of the time. Now, it might be different in 2021, but two and a half point dogs are money. I mean, shit, if it sticks to what your prediction is, 90%, they're going to lose to the Broncos and then take care of the rest of those give four. Me, give me the fuck. Give me the money line in every single one of those okay. games. They're going to be okay. a dog on the money in every single one of those games. That is going to be so fucking valuable. That, that four-week stretch right there is going to be one of the prime dog taking spots i'm okay. saying it right okay. now mark my words Drinking the feel Kool-Aid. free to call me crazy now nah. feel free to quote me later bitches week two through six they're gonna lose only one game to the denver broncos every other game they're gonna win hammer in the jacksonville jaguars money line week two through six maybe not week two but just in case they get that w as well there you go there you have it okay um outside of that I like, I, you know, I, I like that they're getting some of these small numbers because it just makes me want to take them even more on the yeah. money line. I mean, the the money line against Atlanta, that should be nice. The money line against the Jets should be nice. Um, I would take the seven and a half against the Colts. I think that's going to mean a lot to them. I think the Colts might still be that flub up team. We talked about it. They might not be able to close it out in second halves. I'd take the seven out of anything, out of all their big touchdown spreads, I would take the seven against Seattle in week eight. Yep. Coming home from London, eight-day rest advantage in Seattle. Give me all of that action. I love that. Okay. I love that. Anything jumping off the board of you? Yeah, I mean, that kind of, I can't echo too much else than what you said there. I'm interested to see how week two line moves. Yeah. Uh, it might jump higher than two and a half or lower than two and a half however you want to look at it because the broncos open up with the giants and i think they're going to absolutely beat the shit out of them and so that's going to look like a uh you know a big big uh huge win and it's going to look like they're going to smoke the jags depends what we see from the jags in week one too so i i'm kind of right there with you man i will be definitely hammering them in uh you know sorry to say it already but i like them week one Week two, I like the Broncos, mm-hmm. and then uh, after that, I think I'm right there with you on these other plus two and a halves. Definitely, you know, four, five, and six. Week three, I'm interested to see how the Cardinals and Jags look the first two weeks. Sure. Because uh, if the uh, Cardinals offense is, you know, out of the gates looking hot, then, you know, I might be interested in the Cardinals. But aside from that, I, I kind of share everything you're saying. Week eight, whatever that number is, as long, especially if it's plus seven or higher, I'll be interested in the Jags unless they look brutal up until that point. But sure. I don't think that's going to be the case. So I'm right there with you, man. Man. Yeah, I don't think it is either. Um, as far as game totals go, they do have a low of 43 and a half. That is in week 17 against the Pats. So uh, I think that's going to be a defensive shootout per the books. Week two uh, as well is the same one. Oh, uh, week two as well. I apologize. That is against the Broncos in addition. Then they have a high of 51 and a half against the Titans in week 14. And then they got 351. So these might be something to look out for shootouts. Uh, Buffalo in week nine, then Indianapolis in week 10 and then also atlanta in week 12 mm-hmm. and remind you that is the pick'em yep. so hey maybe a nice little shootout there goes over to 51 who's to say everything else uh high 40s couple of low 40s sprinkled in there but uh everything's pretty much high 40s i early in the season i don't know because they're they start off with 45 and a half 43 and a half 49 47 48 so 
is that indicating to me that their opponents aren't going to score or are these going to be shootouts? Mm -hmm. I think you're going to want to stay away from the game totals early in the season. And then I think once we get out of that bye, we get that that stretch that I talked about, 8 to 14, I think those are going to be shootouts and I think those are going to be money to the over. Okay. And I think maybe just only week 8 to 14, then 15, 18 might kind of be fuck all. Yeah. But I think 8 to 14 might be a serious spot to look at some of those overs because they're at... Uh, 48, 51, 51, 45 and a half, 51, 47, 51 and a half. So worth a look in yeah, my mind. For sure. I'll, I'm definitely staying away out of the gates. I have no idea what to expect as far as a point total in that week one. Yeah. Week two, I might be, uh, I might be interested in that under if we, if the uh, Broncos defense looks as good as we think it's going to in week one. And then week three, like I said, if the Cardinals offense comes out of the gates scorching hot, that line will probably, or that total will probably move up a little bit, especially if the Jaguars look competent on offense. So I might be interested in that one. But for the most part, I think I will be staying away from these totals to start off at least. Sure. Well, you tried to steal my thunder. I did, sorry. But you didn't all the way. No. Way too early week one pick. We are in Houston. The Jags are leaving the confines of Duval. And going to play their heated division rivals in the AFC South, the Houston Texans. Sir. They are catching three points in Houston. Are you going to be hammering them in? Are we drinking the same Kool-Aid on these Jacksonville Jaguars, the teal Kool-Aid? Or are you going to be maybe having a little bit of faith in the Houston Texans to start things off hot? Well, not only am I drinking the Kool-Aid on the Kool-Aid on this team, and I'll be hammering in that week one spread, I am drinking the Kool-Aid on the Texans being absolutely terrible. So I am most definitely hammering in that minus three. As I mentioned a second ago, no idea what to expect as far as the game total. I might, I, it's a lean, so I'm going to be staying away from it. I might lean under just because I think the Texans are going to be that bad. But aside from that, minus three will definitely be in my bet slip, partner. I'm I'm interested in up to about four, four and a half, honestly. I agree with you. I don't I, think it's going to move like that, but you know what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, I, I can't put, as you've been saying, I can't put much too much more on top of that. I love the Jags. I think the Jags come out and beat them by a touchdown plus, yep. and I think they make a statement to start the year. So way too early. Uh, actually, not so much. Only 23 early days anymore, away. Baby. Jordan days away, my friend. Way too early. Week one pick. We're both taking the Jags. Minus three against the Houston Texans in Houston. All right, so I've tried to do some thinking. I'm going to be honest, having hosting duties, trying to do thinking doesn't really fucking work at the same Uh time. So uh, this is all going to just be off the cuff and right out of my ass. So win total. Told you already, it's set at six and a half. Over is at plus 105. Under is at minus 125. Partner, I got to think for a minute. Where are you at, man? My man. After everything we laid out, and for how much I like this, uh, you know, like this roster, I, as much as it scares me, I said it at the top of the show. This uh, this team, when they are, you know, have any type of hope, just brings so much energy to the rest of the league. And damn it, I want to be a part of it. So I am going over six and a half with some nice plus money. And, uh, you know, I will talk myself out of an alternate over over of seven and a half because we did lay out eight wins because I have to imagine that there's going to be one type of slip up where you don't expect it. Uh, and Or maybe the Titans take care of them. They only go two and four in the division. So I will be taking the six and a half with the plus money, my friend, because, you know, like I said, I just like this roster more than uh, more than I should. But uh, I'm going to hammer it in and have some fun with this team this year. More of an entertainment play, I guess you would say. Um, But nonetheless, it's going into my bet slip, friends. 
Duval! <laughs> Give me the fucking over six. We gotta hop on this bandwagon, yeah, don't we? You know, I we have got to. to. I have to. I sit there and I and I listen to you. And yes, we laid out everything. We laid out eight wins, eight, nine for the Jags. Yes, it does seem crazy. Yes, it does seem like something that they shouldn't be able to do, but also. I think they fucking do it. And I'm crazy enough at plus 105 odds. They only need seven. That's one less than we predicted. We've been pretty damn smart so far. I think I'm on the damn side of the over six and a half. <sighs> wow. Where's the bandwagon picking us up at, boys? Let's go. I'm saying, man. All right. Well, there you have it. <laughs> I, you know, based off of what we discussed, based off of everything i gotta go with that plus 105 and off of our predictions getting eight wins when you predict something like that and you got them two wins better than that and you're getting plus money you have to yeah you mentioned a little alternate value there partner if you are truly with us uh mr zach schultz i'm sure you are my friend uh over seven and a half is at plus 170 right now over eight and a half they get wild raffle nine wins off plus 270 if you are a little lower on them, however, under five and a half is at plus 140. And then the under four and a half is at plus 240. If you think they continue to fall off the face of the earth, under three and a half plus 460. Last but certainly not least, if you're not as confident in the six and a half, but you do think they get right to six wins, the five and a half over five and a half is at minus 175. I think one of the bigger factors for this one might be if by some, which we don't expect, which by some miracle Deshaun Watson is in town in Houston and he's playing well. Like, yeah, exactly. You laugh at it, and I am with you on that. So I think that would be the biggest factor. Like, if he shows up week one and he's motivated to play somehow, which we he clearly is not, That I think that's the biggest factor here. So I'm hey, kind of eating my words, but I, I feel you, like it bears mentioning. Maybe you should switch careers. Try being a comedian. Oh, okay. Okay, <laughs> for sure. An NFL comedian? I, you know, I I don't see there's any way. Yeah, I mean, neither do I, but I mean, he, you know, is he literally still going to practice? Sure. So I think sure. it bears mentioning, but we sure. don't expect that happening. Don't expect it happening. Um, if the Jags go 8-9, um, maybe a glimmer of hope potentially could slot a wild card spot. Mm. Highly doubtful, but maybe. Maybe they get a little bit better than 8-9. Books don't have a lot of confidence on them making the playoffs, though. Yes is at plus 330. No is at minus 440. So if you want to sweat it out, I would much rather sweat out this win total. Yeah. I don't think they make the playoffs yet. No. I think they get damn close, and I think they surprised the hell out of a lot of people after 1-15 last year. Um, but they haven't cracked six wins in the last three years. So it's going to – now, granted, brand-new coaching staff, brand-new everything. The coaching staff is coming in. I would – I don't want to call the previous guys boneheads, but there was a lot of bonehead moves done in the past that I don't think we'll see from this coaching staff. Now, knock on wood, sure. knock on wood well, but what I have to add as far as that, we didn't write down nine and a half odds because we don't expect them to get there, but I have to imagine over nine and a half would be better odds than the plus 330, and I think it's going to take at least 10 wins to get into the playoffs in the AFC. I would say so. So for that matter, if you're really, really drinking the drug-filled Kool-Aid at that point, 
then take the over nine and a half. But, uh, you know, like us, I think there's you're getting plus money at over six and a half. And if you're really drinking and get plus 170 on over seven and a half. So take one of those, two if you're really loving this team. Well, if they win the AFC South, they'll definitely make the playoffs. And kind of per us, if you listen to yesterday's show, the Indianapolis Colts, uh, we think they have a pretty solid shot. We haven't talked about the Titans yet. Both of us both think that they have a solid shot as well as winning it. But the Jags could come out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Now, they are in third place right now, but I mentioned at the top of the show, we saw some serious, serious line movement over the weekend in regards to their division odds. Still in third place. However, open is plus 1,200. It is now down to plus 600 for them to win it. I don't know. I'm just saying I'm not saying. You know what I'm saying? I, I think that <laughs> potentially, I, you know, I think it could happen. And with that line movement, with... 1200 to 600 with 600 being a great price with question marks surrounding Indianapolis now with Tennessee you know how hard it is to continue to repeat and repeat sure, and repeat sure. I feel at some point in time Vrabes is going to stumble and, and bump his or Tannehill or Tannehill or God forbid the king you know I, I feel at some point and maybe 2021 is that year Maybe 2021 is that year. I don't know, but at plus 600 odds after that movement, it might just be worth a little side sprinkle just in case them damn Jaguars do. Now, am I saying I'm running to the window with it? No, sir. But it just might have some value to it. You know, I don't hate it, but I'm not drinking it that hard. I will stay away. I don't don't hate what you're saying at all. I just think between the Colts or the Titans, at least one of them is going to live up to expectations and have at least 10, 11 wins. So I don't hate what you're saying, though. A lot of coulda, shoulda, woulda. Yeah, a lot of coulda, shoulda. And I like to work in absolutes over here on this side of the table. And I also think at some point, I feel like 600 is about as high as it's going to get this preseason. I imagine if you're really liking it, you could probably wait and it'll go back down a little bit to at least 800. So I don't know, man. I don't know. I just thought of that freaking, that absolute joke that I say. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> I probably shouldn't say that on the show. <laughs> All right. Uh, whew, that's a good one. Um, if you want that joke, hit me up in the DMs. It's funny <laughs> as all fuck. Speaking in absolutes, just shoot me that. Speaking in absolutes in my DM, I'll shoot you the joke. Um, that being said, obviously, books uh, pretty much in agreement with us. They're not going to get the uh, AFC South. They're not going to really make a conference or Super Bowl run. 14th in the AFC to win it right now. Uh, six to one odds plus 6,000. 60, 60 to one odds. I apologize. Plus 6,000. And then uh, Super Bowl 56, you got 120 to one odds. That is plus 12,000. Mm-hmm. Uh, 30th in the NFL right now. So not a whole lot of value on the future markets in that front. But we did find a little bit of additional future value. You know, we got to give you a little bit of extra action if we don't find anything that we're definitely sold on hammering in. Now, this one I got some opinions on, and I'm a little bit concerned. Uh, Offensive Rookie of the Year, Trevor Lawrence, is at plus 300. In these positions, in these NFL Honor Awards... It's generally pretty doggone hard. Any future bets in general, when it's the favorite, the favorite generally doesn't win because that's where everybody's money is going on. Now, Trevor Lawrence definitely has the possibility to do so, but I mentioned it in the team breakdown. I think what it's going to come down to is if his receivers can produce, and I just don't think that they're going to give him enough help to consistently get 325-plus with two, three touchdowns-plus every single week 
to be able to have him enough numbers to be in the conversation for Arroy. Now, do I think he's going to have a bad season? No. Do I think he's going to put up numbers? Yes. But do I think it's going to be Offensive Rookie of the Year numbers? No. And I think somebody kind of passes him up. I don't know exactly who that will be. I uh, told you Javante Williams is my long shot. Potentially Jamar Chase being teamed up with Joey B. But I just don't see it with Trevor Lawrence. I know you're a little bit higher than him on me. Obviously, the last two years have been quarterbacks. Justin Herbert, he obviously wasn't the favorite. But then Kyler Murray, he was the favorite mm-hmm. and got it. So you can kind of go either side of the coin on that. Uh, partner, kind of give me your thoughts, and maybe we have uh, even more of a disagreement. Yeah, we do. I might be hammering this one in, my man. Six of the nine quarterbacks to win this award won at least seven games. And damn it, we just mapped out eight. So if he gets to that number, I think he might be the winner. And, you know, part of it is that he is the quarterback that is definitely starting week one. Some of these other guys maybe could get in there within the first few weeks and, you know, maybe someone else gets in week one. But he is the one that is bona fide getting the start right away out of the gate. So that's one reason I like it. So I think his numbers are just going to be that much better than everyone else's because he's played the full season. And I think he's going to be really solid. And, and like I said earlier, I really like this receiver room. I think at least one of these guys has a big, uh, if it's not Chanel having a research or a breakout year, it's uh, DJ Chark having a resurgence. So I might be taking this action, man. I really like this. I know it sounds maybe a little too good to be true, but I, you know, at plus 300, I feel like that's a nice little number and I might actually hammer it in. So one final thought. Okay, go ahead. Maybe try and change your mind. Go ahead. Um, I think in the beginning of the year, it is going to come down to the running game that is going to win them this okay. game, these games. I don't think it's going to come down to Trevor Lawrence because I don't think that they're going to have enough cohesion, enough like that quarterback okay. wide receiver room. That being said, in the first six weeks before their bye week, they face three defenses in the top 11 of defensive pass efficiency. The other two in the mid-20s, or the other three in the mid-20s. As far as defensive rush efficiency, they face two in the top 15. The other five, or the other four rather, are outside of the top 22. I think it's going to be a little bit easier for them sledding defensively rush-wise at the early part of the season, and then it's going to get a little easy for them pass-wise in the back end of the season. So I think the back end of the season is when we really see uh, Lawrence start to blow up, but I don't think he's going to get enough numbers in the preseason, well, not preseason, the early season before the bye to really be able to have him. That's where I think okay. it's going to loom large. Still disagree with you. I yeah. believe I might be hammering this one hey, in. Disagree to disagree. Yep. Either way, we're more than capable of disagreeing sure, and still sure. having a killer fucking show. Fuck you, guy. Fuck you too, pal. <laughs> uh, that being said, another offensive rookie of the year that you could potentially think about uh travis Etienne plus 2500 that one's a little bit more of a lean for me yeah uh i don't think he's going to get enough of a workload i think that all three of these backs are going to vulture each other's touches Mm. and it's just not gonna have enough for him to be able to be in that category so i would leave him alone yeah i'm kind of right there i uh it might have a tiny bit of value but i don't think so the reason i say that is because kind of how we were talking uh, might be used as kind of a jack of all trades, a lot of receiving yards, handful of rushing yards. And sometimes when the, there's guys that are making impacts all around different types of games and having concrete numbers like that, that might help them out. But, you know, overall, it would be hard for me to even say that ETN's going to have a, you know, higher chance of winning this than his own quarterback. So sure. for that matter, I'll stay away. But I think it at least bears mentioning. 
Okay, and then Trevor Lawrence, another one we found over under passing yards. Total currently set at 4,150 and a half. I got to go under. I think he finishes right around the 3,800 mark. And I know that sounds bold for Trevor Lawrence, but I think about this. And you tell me if I'm missing somebody, but what receiver on that team averages 80 plus a game, 90 plus a game? Like I said, man, I, I just don't see it. I think DJ Shark could have a resurgent in the Yeah, I think he could. He could, but I just um, I don't see somebody consistently eighty to one hundred and ten, and then filling in with twenty yard running back routes and then fifteen sure. slants. No, yeah, I just don't see it happening. Yeah, I I think I'm gonna stay away from this one. Uh, you know, only two quarterbacks have gone and rookie quarterbacks have ever gone over this number. Andrew Luck and Justin Herbert last year both had over forty three hundred. Uh, Cam Newton, Jameis Winston, right on the low end of 4,000, but under this number, Kyler Murray, 37-25, Dak Prescott, 36-67. Still very good seasons for rookies, but fell short. Now they do. Lawrence does get one extra game than these guys, so that might be enough, but, uh, you know, I'm staying away. I think he finishes right in the, you know, right around this number, honestly, and I would probably lean towards the under, actually, so I, I think he's going to finish 4,000, type stuff there. Yeah, we're both leaning towards the under. I'm a little bit more... Uh, bearish on it right around the 38 3900 and then you're right around about 4400 yeah. so i we're both leaning under but i wouldn't say run to the window with this one does right. have a little bit of value though and then if you're with us a little bit of uh, value for the jags to finish third in the afc south right at plus 120 right now so if you're not uh, confident enough on them to uh, win it outright but you're also confident in them to uh, be behind the colts and the titans but still have a really solid season Plus 120 is not bad value on that <laughs> yeah, bad I don't boy at all. It. I don't hate it at all. At all. And then maybe if, if the, one of the Colts or the Titans flub up, second in the AFC South might even yeah, be worth I, a look too. But not enough value to uh, bear mentioning. So there you go. There you have it. All of the side bets for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Future plays for you. Some stuff to take a look at. Maybe uh, you formulated some ideas of your own from some of the stuff we talked about. I don't know. But there you go. Last but certainly not least, let's wrap up. Duval's season preview with the fourth and final segment of the day. Start, stash, or pass our best fantasy advice. We've been fantasy players for well north of a decade now. Uh, we have been in the same league for the better part of a decade. So, yeah, we might have some G4 classification sure. to talk about Why fantasy from time to time. Won a few leagues here or there. Definitely can write about that. So, hey, let us give you some opinions. First things first, most important position on the field, the one that always looms the largest, are they going to produce or not? Your quarterback. Are they going to be consistent? Well, obviously we have Trevor Lawrence and we have Gardner Minshew. I'm drafting Trevor Lawrence. I think that he will be right around the QB 12th, QB 10. All right. Somewhere right in that ballpark. I think there's a handful of guys that have just been producing fantasy-wise consistently in the league for the last three, four years now that will be there, but could get into the top eight, top seven, if this receiver room does what you say it's going to do. Then Minshew. If you have a quarterback already picked up, you're looking for a roster spot, you're jacking around, you don't see any wide receivers, you're like, no running backs. Fill a roster spot with Minshew, and because of this, he might not get any work in Jacksonville, 
But his improvement from 2019 to 2020 is so damn noteworthy that some team out there has to see it. And if somebody gets hurt, somebody gets traded, maybe he slides over to Houston, but tech most of the time they teams don't like to trade within a division. I don't know. If he gets onto a team where he is solid QB1 back half of the season and you've been having QB struggles, I think that he could have a potential breakout if he gets on the right team. Also, fuck no, I'm not even going to say that about a number one overall pick. Forget that. Let's just stick with the tract if Minshew gets <laughs> if Minshew gets uh, set to some other team. So I think Minshew worth a stash because his improvement for being a no-name seventh-round guy in 2019, 221 to what he did when given the opportunities and what we saw from him in the preseason so far, I'm uh, I'm not too opposed to doing so. What are you feeling about the quarterback room here, okay. Parker? I'll start with Minshew. I uh, I don't hate what you said there. I I'll pass on him. Uh, you know, I think he could help a team. I don't know what his fantasy value would be. Maybe it'll be solid, but I you know I'll pass on that. I will absolutely stash Trevor Lawrence. Would we'll love to pair him with somebody else that I would, uh, you know, kind of, I don't know if it would be a fallback necessarily or someone kind of that I think is going to finish in that top 10 range. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm i not putting all my eggs on him in my in the basket this year for him to be my, you know, full slate of the season starting quarterback. But I will definitely stash him and uh, be interested in having somebody else maybe, uh, you know, week to week, uh, de- um, depending on matchup type start here. Because like, 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 like you like said, that. there are going to be weeks where, as far as stats-wise, he are it's gonna definitely going to be, gonna be uh, you know, week two against Denver. It's going to be tough. So. And he doesn't have the biggest rushing capability either. And that's, some, that's something you got to think True. about. And, the, and his rushing is actually only kind of yep. <laughs> ticked down. Yeah. A little bit so something you got to think about a little bit there too running back room ay. um me personally i will definitely draft james robinson mm-hmm. again unfortunately i only think he's going to have rb2 value this year unfortunately i don't think he's going to be able to crack maybe two three weeks early in the season he already knows the offense everything's right well maybe he doesn't know the offense because it's fucking daryl bevel and her from right. brand new offense so Geez, that might even loom even larger into my decision. So I don't think he cracks. I think he's a solid RB2, but I don't think that he cracks RB2 numbers. I don't think we see the production this year, and that's because of ETN and Hyde. I think Hyde is going to hawk some of those third down worse. Even Urban Meyer hasn't explicitly said it. He said ETN will be the third down guy, but year over year over year, Carlos Hyde has been a third down running back. So why would he change what he's done over the course of his career? And then ETN, I think... The biggest problem with ETN, in my mind, is going to be that reception work. I think he is going to steal maybe even 75% of James Robinson's PPR production, and that's where him not being an RB1 is going to come from. I think he still gets the yardage. I think he still gets the touches. I think we see him anywhere from 15 to 20 touches a game. I think he'll get the bulk of the workload, but... I just don't think he's going to have the value that he did as far as receiving. And and sure. that being said, I'd stash ETN for now just to see if something happens. Maybe he can be a solid plug-and-play flex play if there's a bad receiving or bad defense against receiving backs. I don't know. And then I'm going to pass on Hyde. Hyde yeah. just really hasn't had a fantasy value for the last few seasons. So there's my thoughts on the running back room. Partner, where yet? Yeah, Hyde, I'll kick it off there. I'll, I'll pass on him. Robinson, I you know, I would love to have him on my team. I think he's going to get overdrafted because I echo, you know, that is one of the fantasy uh, opinions that you and I have come very close to because 
I think yeah, he's going to be drafted. Up, I'm, I think he's going to be drafted in the top two rounds. And we're, you know, we're Illinois State alumni. We want Roll this. We birds. hope we're wrong. We hope he's the number one running back. He's from Rockford. I'm from the Rockford area. I want him to have the best season. I want him to be the MVP of the fucking league. I think he's going to be drafted in the top two rounds in fantasy drafts, and I don't think it's going to be warranted. I think he, you know, he'll still be startable in many weeks, but there might even be weeks where, you know, I'm honestly concerned with the changes, uh, you know, learning a new playbook, learning a new offense. That might be an issue because I am pretty damn high on Travis Etienne, uh, in PPR at least. If it's not PPR, you know, I'm not interested as much. I'd probably still stash him, but PPR, I am absolutely yeah. picking up Travis Etienne. I'm really not sure where he's going in drafts right now, but. I think with the, like you said, whether it's out of the backfield or whether it's on a receiver spot, I just think they're going to find so many ways to put him in the game and get him the ball. I was looking at it. He had, I think, 46 touchdowns out of 55 games at Clemson, and over half of his touchdowns were outside of the red zone, so at least 20-yard touchdowns. Like He's just a monster play waiting to happen, and I think he's going to be making a few of those plays this year. So, you know, that's honestly the reason why I wrote him down as, uh, you know, even to talk about him as Offensive Rookie of the Year, because he's going to make some of those big plays. So I think he's got some value here, and I am very interested to see where he's going at drafts. Yeah, stash him in PPR for sure, because uh, I said at the beginning of the show, I think he kind of becomes more of a wide receiver in yeah. uh, Urban Meyer's offense, as weird as that is to say about a guy who looks like that. I mean, he looks like pristine running back. Sure. So. We'll see what happens there, um, but definitely uh, start temper expectations for James Robinson. I think he's going to go way, 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 way too early. He's going to be somebody's RB1, and it's not going to pay off for him. Yeah. So I suggest you temper expectations, and then you know our thoughts all the way across the board there. And then uh, wide receiver room. Ay, ay, ay. This one also does kind of a doozy to me. Uh, Marvin Jones. I don't think we see him crack anything better than flex wide receiver three this year. Um, maybe a wide receiver two game here or there. Uh, he can rip the cover off the defense every once in a while. DJ Chark, maybe we see wide receiver two production from him again. Uh, I think he might cap out at a flex, but with the definite ceiling of a wide receiver two. And then Chenault. Chenault would be the guy that I would target out of this entire one. He would be the guy that I would draft. He, in my mind, has the most ability to improve, has the highest ceiling out of all of these guys. Closed the season really dominant last year, and I loved having him in my flex spot, and I think he could definitely improve to a wide receiver too. He actually has a brother who's going to be coming in the league very uh-huh. soon, Levante Chenault, so uh, excited to see if he does as well as his brother. But I, I would say LaVisca would be who I would target. Then it's very, very hard because there's so many parallels between Chark and Jones as to their play style and who's really going to edge out the other one. So I really don't know who's going to be better in that category. I both think they have wide receiver two ceilings with low flex floors. They both definitely have that possibility. Outside of that, I'm not really going to target any of the other guys on this step chart. Those those would be the three main guys I would target. And then, yeah, outside of that, I, I know you're definitely a little bit higher than me, but uh, that's what I'm feeling on the wide receiver room. Yeah, as far as Jones, I mean, he def- definitely has value. He was the number 18 wide receiver in fantasy last year. He just has too many weeks where, from a fantasy fantasy perspective, he's non-existent. He has some of those, a lot of games where he could be the reason you win a game. He's also got weeks where he's going to be the reason you lose games, getting less than 10, sometimes less than five. I need. That's the type of player that I typically avoid. You know, maybe if I've, you know, it's if it's a deep draft and he's fallen in the draft, then sure, I'll pick him up as a bench spot and hopefully I can find those spots where he goes off. Yeah. Other than that, I'm passing on him. And then these other two guys, I will definitely start. Not saying they're going to be my wide receiver one by any means, but... 
the way Chenault finished the season last year, he had uh, at least five catches in the last four weeks of the season. I think he picks up right uh, right where he left off. So I'm really interested in him. He was only the number 46 wide receiver last year, but I think he gets into that top 25. And I'm right there once again with DJ Chark. He, he missed three games, I believe. He was the number 49 wide receiver in fantasy. Not a terrible 11.8 fantasy average when he was in those games. So that's kind of where I see some improvements now with a consistent quarterback at the helm throwing him the ball. So I'm very interested in him again. I think he's also going to be in that top 25 wide receiver and really improve on what we saw last year. So I will take both of those dudes. No question about it. All right. Well, there you go. Uh, moving right along into the tight end room. Uh, not to say I don't absolutely love the man, but uh, just no fantasy value from James yeah. O'Shaughnessy. Uh, the depth chart is way too messy outside of that. No uh, real value or interest for me in that category. Anything from you, partner? Nope, nothing to add. I got nothing there. All right. And then as far as the kickers go, I do remember Lambeau last year. Yep, he is still back on the team. So Josh Lambeau, uh, he was a solid kicker. Had a few. Um, I think he was hurt a lot last year. He was but hurt he did a lot. Play a little and, bit. He, and he did have one or two almost double-digit games, if I am not mistaken. If not, so. double-digit games. So. So not one of the top 10 kickers, but if you missed out on one of those top 10, definitely within the top 15, top 20. So Josh Lambeau, definitely uh, worth a kicker spot on your team if you missed the boat on some of those high-level guys. Yeah. Outside of that, um, Jaguars defense, I'm going to pass on him for now. I'm going to let him follow the waiver wire. Waiver wire. I will, however, toss a red flag on him. Uh, keep a little watch list action, see what happens uh, as things progress. Do they improve? Do um, they show a little bit better than some of the early season predictions from a lot of experts out there? I'm not sure. We'll see what happens, and I think they're definitely worth you keeping an eye on just in case they do have some great turnover efficiency. They have some great sack efficiency. Maybe they can get stuff rolling on the special team side of things. I don't know, but I think all of those questions can definitely be answered if you have them on your watch list, so sure. I think it's worth it. Yeah, I can't add too much else there. They were number 29 defense last year. Not something you want, but I think they do improve that. Get around 20, 20 to 15 range as far as fantasy defenses, so it, you know, I might be something like, hey, they're playing the Texans this week. Give me all that action other than that there's gonna be a lot of games where they're gonna be unplayable but uh like you said definite team to put on your watch list show enough well there you go our best fantasy advice for every positional grouping in the segment we have dubbed start stash or pass all right my friends well there we go there we have it let's put an official bow on the jacksonville jaguars season preview the only way we know how to Urban Meyer, Daryl Bevel, Joe Cullen, the entire Jacksonville Jaguars franchise, new pristine QB, Trevor Lawrence, our man James Robinson, and James O'Shaughnessy, hashtag roll birds, and everybody else on the offense and defensive side of the ball in Duval. Duval. Good luck to your season, and Godspeed. We'll be right there with you. Let's get some. <laughs> there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. The official season preview for the Jacksonville Jaguars is now a wrap. Paper or plastic. All right, my friends. Well, there we go. Right. Ooh, minute early today, baby. Hey minute early. All right. So, 
before we uh, dive into a few updates, a few uh, little things here and some motivation. Minutes partner, anything burning on the brain, melting on the heart, festering on the soul that you have been dying to get out to the kind folks that joined us on episode number 104 of the Talking Line podcast on this beautiful August 17th, 2021. Alrighty, so, you know, not a ton of directions. I, I was struggling to figure out which direction to take this one for the Jaguars today, but I figured I would go back and dive through some of uh, some of the college coaches to make the jump into the NFL mm. and how they fared with that team. So, mm. handful of guys uh, since 2000 and then one guy in the 90s, but, uh, you know, the last two guys, Matt Rule, King, Cliff Kingsbury, still getting their, uh, you know, teeth cut in the NFL. Those guys have losing records, but... We both think that they're uh, got potential to turn that around. Bill O'Brien, actually 52 and 48 record with the Texans, hmm. uh, had some good years, had some terrible years, but he, uh, you know, stayed above 500. Chip Kelly, 26 and 21 Damn, uh, with the about Eagles, Chip. and this is uh, I should clarify, this is with the team that they initially jumped to. Not, uh, you know, Doug Marone is the next guy on this list, 15 and 17 with the Bills. Then he jumped over the Jaguars. Does not include the Jaguars because. These Jaguar fans want to know how Urban Meyer is going to do in Jacksonville, not what's going to happen on his next team. We don't want Correct. to be thinking about that. We don't want to Correct. be thinking about his next, uh, you know, Because he's not going to have a next he's not team. Have a Urban Meyer is going to retire right, right, right. from the NFL as the head coach of the yeah, Jacksonville yeah, exactly. Jaguars. Uh, Greg Schiano, eleven and twenty-one. That was a bad one. Jim Harbaugh, forty-four and nineteen and one. Still with the same fucking team. Uh, Jim Harbaugh no, Jim, is John, with the John, sorry, <laughs> yeah, sorry. yeah. Uh, Bobby Petrino, three and ten, not good at all. Nick Saban, fifteen and seventeen. Hopefully, uh, we don't have a repeat of that. Steve Spurrier, twelve and twenty. Butch Davis, twenty-four and thirty-five. And then going all the way back to the early nineties, Mister Jimmy Johnson, fifty-one and thirty-eight, with uh, two Super Bowl wins under his belt. So hopefully, that was with the boys. Yes, sir. He made the college jump with the boys and did what he did. He sure did. Came from Miami. Oh, shit, that's right. Wow, yeah. 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 Hall of Fame last year was more than deserving oh, yeah, for Colch. Holy fuck. Of what course. a career. So, yeah, Jeez. typically uh, typically it's, uh, you know, a lot of times with some of these successful guys, it's a nice jump, kind of how we're predicting, into that 500 range. And then that next year is really when you start to take off and see some, uh, you know, what you're looking for. So and Urban could still have a losing record, be on par with a lot of these guys, and yep. they still get that eight and nine. Sure, <laughs> sure, sure. That's still a losing sure, record. Sure, sure, I mean, it's definitely possible, definitely plausible, more even plausible than possible. I think. Uh, so, well, the one thing I will say: last seven head coaches who made the jump from college to the pros improved their team's win total by an average of nearly four wins the next year, and three of the seven teams made the playoffs in their first year. Not saying that's happening, but hey, a lot of times it works out. Sometimes, you know, there's a couple and that of examples. Is for the guys over at SFA. Yep. A couple of times it's a dumpster fire, but I don't think that's going to be the case here. Yeah, I don't think it is either, and I think we, uh, I think we see that eight and nine yeah. season, seven and seven and uh, ten season. Who knows? I don't know. Either way, thanks for that nugget, partner. We sure, needed sure. to know about that because I actually mentioned that at the top of the show. I wonder sure, how sure, some sure. of these college coaches have done, and you had my back to bring it full circle. Talk about co-hosting of right course. there. Bring it fucking full circle from where I teed it off. At. Yeah, and not to uh, this is a different team, but Matt Rule, I mentioned five and eleven, the most recent okay. one. I was looking at him yesterday because, uh, you know, I'm high on the Panthers. You're not too uh, – were you also oh, high on the okay. Panthers? Yeah, we're both high on the Panthers. I got there over. So he – every stop that he's gone, including college, he turns like a one-two win team. In his first year, turns them into, you know, kind of what we saw right there. Um, the second year, more 500, kind of what we predicted. And then in that third year, it's all system go and, you know, playoff team and beyond. So – I think we see a lot of the same, and you know, uh, Urban Meyer could uh, see something similar—seven wins. So, 
I love this stuff, man. I love this stuff. I am uh, happy that I found this stuff because uh, you know, hopefully for uh, hopefully for Duval, Urban Meyer is a repeat of Jimmy Johnson. Show enough. That'd be pretty sweet. Either way, there you go. Our Max sidebar: the latest college coaches to make the jumps to the NFL and their records with the team that they made the jump with. Once again, thank you, partner. All right, few uh, quick updates. Well, it is official. We have a new show coming down the pipeline quick fast and in a hurry it's official there's a new show coming from the ttl crew don't want to tell you everything about it quite yet uh that the announcement will come very very soon uh we're working on um multiple things because setting up this show is much more difficult than just doing the daily show um we can get that done pretty easily with just the two of us uh check all the boxes all the production boxes, everything like that this one's gonna take a little bit more time uh, a little bit more brain power if you will some things that we don't quite know how to do yet but we are more than willing to learn and actually already in the process of learning so that all being said um what can i tell you that is not going to give it all the way away I got something in mind, but that kind of gives it it gives it all the way away. Essentially, yeah. Just just know there's a new show coming we'll on, both on be the on horizon, it. and we'll both be on it. <laughs> and we may or may not be joined. There you go. We won't be alone. We maybe. won't be alone. Maybe I don't know. Could be. Who's I don't think say? we'll be alone. Who's but say? I don't know. I don't know either way. Uh, could could have a guest. I don't. I don't know. I don't know what those are, but we'll see. Um, so yeah, for sure, hundred percent. Hopefully, I don't. I, this is not a locked solid date, but we are shooting beginning of next month. So we'll let you guys know for sure. A lot of background stuff needs to happen. Obviously, a lot of background stuff we do for the daily show and our day to day stuff on top of now doing this. So it's gonna take a little bit of work, but that's all right. That's what we're here for. That's what we do. We want to uh, bring this to you. We think this is. This is honestly content that nobody else does that I have uh, seen. Well, I've seen one one other person do it, but just not really on the scale or how we have it planned out. Right. So, um, yeah, I, I can't wait. I think this is going to just be absolutely electric content. Matter of fact, I know it's going to be absolutely electric yeah. content. Um, no question. <laughs> just, I'm already thinking of a few. And uh, goodness goodness gracious i cannot wait um regardless of uh when where or how it happens so stick around for that new show coming soon uh we'll have plenty of blogs coming out here shortly just not a whole lot of nonsense going on uh here there and everywhere uh we'll have some new updates uh work on some uh nfl ones i'm gonna have coming out here shortly um it's as far as some look ahead some stuff i i might be targeting some teams to watch some things to watch within teams I'll let you know once I do drop that there. Um, just in case you haven't already, make sure you go to the Talking the Line link tree in the description. You can uh, hit the talkingtheline.com website there. You'll see all of our additional social platforms and our content. Uh, once again, consume it however, whenever you please. Uh, it's all there in one central location, so you can always find it nice and easy. Uh, at the bare minimum, if you don't have a lot of the social platforms, everything that we do, make sure you just follow us on Twitter. Uh, we'll always put updates there if you can't make a daily show or can't catch the full show, whatever the case might be. Make sure you follow us there. you always see updates and everything happening. Last but certainly not least, uh, before I wrap this show up, hey, we're still cashing tickets. 
We're still making moolah. Mags had a two and one day yesterday. I had a five and one day yesterday. Uh, so across the board, seven and two for the TTL crew. Never a bad thing. Uh, another solid day on the books here today. Full slate of MLB. We have already hammered in our picks, and actually our first one starts here in about thirty minutes. Sure does. Uh, so I suggest that you go to either the Action app if you have that. I am at Cash underscore with underscore Colt. Riley is at RMags in all caps, and check out. Of our all of our best bets of the day if you don't have the action app just peruse on over to the old interweb whatever browser you like and type in talkingtheline.com and you will see the today's best bets tab it is the third tab there on the home page click on that bad boy it'll take you right there you'll see some interactive widgets and you can actually bet on your favorite sports book from our website makes it incredibly easy. It'll just redirect you right back to your favorite sports book. Smash in some plays that we got rolling today. We're looking to stay hot, hot, hot. Who are you kicking off the day with? I'm kicking off the day with the Boston Red Sox. Okay, as am I. I just uh, couldn't remember if you had them as yeah, well. And uh, very high on Hauk here today. Same so I. Uh, I think he's going to come out and dominate the Yankees in game one. And then game two is a little bit of a uh, toss up for me. So I'm staying away. But uh, game one. Kicking off here soon. I uh, love the Red Sox getting plus money, especially going against Montgomery, the lefty. We yes, know sir. how the Red Sox have been against the lefty. Yes, so I there am. you go. little little extra value you weren't expecting. You'll have to go check out everything else to get the rest of them. All right. Outside of that, that officially does it. Any updates? Anything uh, I missed there, partner? I don't anything, think so. Uh, need to check any no, boxes? Sir. Let me make sure we got no breaking news. All right. Everything seems to be in good shape. All right. Let me put some whipped cream on the proverbial Sunday. That is the daily talking the line podcast. My whipped cream, love it. Absolutely love it. With my daily motivation minutes. Now, this one today is a little bit shorter, a little bit sweeter, and I've talked about it before. Um, kind of in a different way. I kind of gave you some suggestions how to do this. But I wanted to give you kind of the perspective and importance and the reason why you should. And my message today today is starting your day slow. And I've given you suggestions in the past. Maybe spend it in some prayer, meditation. I've given you the morning pages. You sit with a blank piece of paper on you in the morning, 10 minutes, and just write down everything that's flying through your mind just to get all that anxiety and stress and everything out and just get clear-brained. Or maybe read a little bit or maybe just sit in silence. Maybe you have a balcony. It's beautiful morning. You sit and drink a cup of coffee and you just let the brain be completely silent. I've told you a lot about those things, but why? Why should you do that? I don't have the time, Colt. I, I'm so busy. I get out of bed and I hit the ground running. I got to go. I got stuff to do. Bullshit. Bullshit. Because I do it every single morning. I get up an hour and a half before I need to. I could sleep an extra hour and a half. I could wait around. I could stay in bed. But it all comes down to that decision. If you want that extra time, if you want to start your day slow, you have to make the decision to. That's number one. Number two is why is it so important to start your day slow? And I always equivalent it. Equate it. I always equate it. Um, and I tell my partner this a lot. Waking up in the morning and putting my mental and spiritual armor on. It gives me that extra layer of protection, if you will, throughout the day that when those flaming arrows are coming at me and if I don't have the physical strength to snatch them out of the air and snap them over my knee, 
at least I got a little bit of armor from the morning to ha help them glance off a little bit. They mm -hmm. might hurt a little bit more, but at least they're glancing off a little bit. And if I don't do that in the morning, it seems like I don't even have the ability to try and catch one flaming arrow. They're just piercing me left and right. And if you haven't heard me talk about flaming arrows before, those are all the challenges you face. You're on a battlefield every day and you look at your enemy across the horizon and they start shooting flaming arrows at you. And you either have the opportunity to catch them out of the air and break them over your knee or just let them pierce right through you. Well, when I don't wake up in the morning and get my spiritual armor on, they're piercing right through me left, right, and center. Now, Another thing I wanted to to remind you guys of is you're really starting your day with anxiety when you don't start it slow. Let me ask you this question, and this is rhetorical, but when's the last time you got up in the morning and your mind started spinning and you caught yourself in an argument in the mirror? You were arguing with somebody who's not even there or trying to formulate a discussion that you might have later on in the day and trying to have that argument and win that argument with somebody. You are creating anger and anxiety inside of yourself and having a fake conversation in the mirror. When you say it like that, it all kind of comes into perspective. And the reason I say that example, because I've been there. I've done that. I've had those moments getting ready in the morning and you're getting pissed off about somebody and you start having that argument with them just to get it out. What is that doing? I've said it before. That's like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. That don't make much sense, does it? So when you start your day like that, when you get right out of bed, get in the phone, start checking all the news, start getting filled with anxiety, oh my gosh, you're putting yourself at a disadvantage for the day. You're already putting yourself a peg down from where you could be. You're putting yourself behind the eight ball, if you will, by starting your day with anxiety and fear and worry and brain spinning. And it's hard to not do that when you don't take the time to rein it in and put that spiritual and mental armor on for the day. Outside of that, I guess I could say it as I challenge you guys. I challenge you, not for me, for you. Start your day slow. And if you can't do an hour and a half, I take a half hour to because I like to take a little longer showers in the morning, wake up, and I take an hour to pray and meditate and sit in silence and do a little journaling. I take that hour for myself. If you can only do a half hour, half hour. Do If you can only do 15 minutes, do 15 minutes. Get up 30 minutes before you need to and spend 20 minutes on you. 10 minutes, you can roll around in bed. You can roll around in bed, get in the body awake, spend those next 20 minutes focusing on you. Morning pages, meditation, reading a devotional, prayer, whatever the case might be, whatever it is for you. Whatever does it for you. Start applying that early in the morning and watch the rest of your day just come so easy. Watch all those anxieties and fears and worries and stresses that you thought you would have become real easy to deal with. And watch obstacles turn into opportunities right before your eyes. I can't force you to do it. I can only tell you the benefits that I see in my life from doing it every single day. I used to throw the covers off, throw the feet out of bed, hit the ground running. No question about it. In the shower, teeth brushed, out the door, we're gone. I used to. But I see the benefits and I know the benefits of applying these. And you don't have to, again, you don't have to do the hour. You don't have to do the hour and a half. 
Take 10 minutes if that's all you can do. But discipline yourself. Challenge yourself. See if you can do it. Wake up a little earlier and get yourself prepared for the day. Start your day slow and stop starting it at an at a disadvantage by piling on anxiety and stress and fear before you have even encountered anyone else for the day. You are already in a bad spot before you've had to even put your energy on anyone else. Stop doing that. Start getting yourself in the right spot before you start interacting with anybody else. Get your inside right, and the outside will follow along. And that does it for my motivation minutes of the day. I love it, my man. I mean, one thing you mentioned uh, that I'll expand on is just I like to keep my phone off in the morning the second I wake up. Uh, and not, you know, that's just one way to flood your brain immediately with too much nonsense, whether it's good or bad. You know, you're overworking your brain. And I mean, when you think about it in this way, everyone says you say it and it's a fact. Your brain is a muscle. When you're thinking about exercising your body, whether it's waking up in the morning or after work or whenever, you don't just pop your clothes on and then immediately hop right to it. You know, you get yourself stretched out a bit, a little bit, mm -hmm. loosened up and, mm -hmm. you know, obviously in a different way, but your brain is no different. And, uh, you know, it really is important. I like to start it without my phone. I like to, uh, you know, have a nice quiet shower, ease my mind, keep that open. Uh, you know, I you just I have my drive that's about 30 minutes, which in many ways I kind of like that as my own little alone time waking up as well. So, yeah, I don't do the full hour and a half, but, uh, you know, there are, I just, I can't, you know, pop right out of bed, take a two minute shower and then blast off the road. I, you know, I got, I need a little bit more than that. Yeah. And it definitely pays dividends sure for does. the rest of your day. So that's all I can tell you. I suggest I, I am but a humble servant who gives you, I ain't no Swami. I ain't no genius. I ain't, I don't know shit about shit when it comes down, really down to the nitty gritty of it. But what I do know is a few things about this life that I have found and that I utilize that help me survive on a day-to-day -day basis. So I figured, what the hell, share those with you. So, officially, for today, my Motivation Minutes. All right, my friends, there's the whipped cream. Let's put the cherry on top of this proverbial Sunday of the Talk in the Line podcast. As always... Ladies and gentlemen, degenerates, gamblers, Duval, Duval. fans, NFL fans, <laughs> NFL bettors, fantasy football players, anyone I left out far and wide for myself and Mags. We hope you have a spectacular rest of your Tuesday unless you have other plans. Don't forget to check out our best bets of the day so you too can stay right alongside with us. Let's cash some tickets.